welcome to day 18 of Shaped by the Word, Season 3, The Story of the Prophets. We've been hanging out with Hosea this week, and Hosea, like all the prophets, has a message of judgment and a message of hope. But with Hosea, we're invited a little bit deeper into the heart of God as he looks on to an unfaithful Israel. Hosea is called to marry a promiscuous wife or a wife of adultery, a wife of prostitution. And you have kind of a triple threat of of adultery or prostitution in the passage. You have uh, the unfaithfulness of Hosea's wife. You have the unfaithfulness of Israel, literally, as they join themselves to prostitute in the temples to Baal, but also figuratively as they wander as far from God and his good gifts as they could possibly be. And in the book of Hosea, Uh, God is a forlorn lover. He is one who longs deeply for his beloved, and yet his love is requited as they respond by chasing after many other lovers. So we come to uh, chapter 6, which is one of the invitations in uh, Hosea to return to the Lord and to know his fullness and to know the depth of his love. Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp, David Keefe, and Matthew Kresge. And as always, we find ourselves approaching scripture entering the presence of god asking him through his spirit to do his work deep in our hearts to give us a greater vision of his love for us and his grace expended toward us in 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 christ jesus and also to see our unfaithfulness uh, as we uh, as we look in the hard hard images we see in in the book of hosea so before we uh, before we read cindy do you mind lifting us up word of prayer no not at all Father, thank you for this time as we um, look at your word. And may you, by your spirit, open the eyes of our heart that we might see and that our ears may be open to hear um, this word from you. Just teach us, Father, uh, be all that we need in this moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hosea chapter 6. Uh, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will receive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. Surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you into pieces with my prophets. I've killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of evildoers stained with the footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a victim, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, carrying out their wicked schemes. I've seen a horrible thing in Israel. Their Ephraim is given to prostitution. Israel is defiled. As for you, Judah, harvest is appointed. Whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people, whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed. The crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit. Thieves break into houses. Bandits rob in the street. But they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them. They are always before me. They delight the king with their wickedness, the princes with their lies. They are adulterers burning like an oven whose fire the baker need not stir from the kneading of the dough till it rises. On the day of the festival, our king, the princes become inflamed with wine. He joins hands with the mockers. Their hearts are like 
an oven. They approach him with intrigue. They pass and smolders all night. In the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are hot as an oven, and they devour their rulers. All their kings fall, and none of them calls on me. Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat loaf, not turned over. Foreigners sap his strength, but he does not realize it. His hair is sprinkled with gray, but he does not notice. Israel's arrogance testifies against him, but despite all this, he does not return to the Lord his God or search for him. Ephraim is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless, now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. When they go, I will throw my net over them. I'll pull them down like birds in the sky. When I hear them flocking together, I will catch them. Woe to them, because they have strayed from me. Destruction to them, because they have rebelled against me. I long to redeem them, but they speak falsely about me. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but well on their beds. They slash themselves, appealing to their gods for grain and new wine, but they turn away from me. I train them and strengthen their arms, but they plot evil against me. They do not turn to the Most High. They are like a faulty bow. Their leaders will fall by the sword because of their insolent words. For this I will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. So you see a very beautiful invitation at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, to return to the Lord with all the heart and to know his blessing, to be restored to him. But you all see the, see the consequences of rejecting the Lord and his judgment of the nation of Israel. And as compelling as this invitation is, it is also hard to hear the words of judgment or what our deeds you know, rightly, uh, rightly deserve. When you have that, you know, chapter 6 starting, come let us return to the Lord. But then you get the note in chapter seven. I mean, how many times do we hear, you know, they would not return to me. You know, they um, does not return to the Lord or search for Him. They've strayed from me. They did not return to me. They do not turn to the Most High. You know, and that's one of the we've talked about this several times. But one of the things that our sin keeps us from doing is being blind to our need for God. You know, but it also keeps us from turning to Him. You know, in our need and our desperation. And you get the sense, you know, just as we've been reading this, God would would delight in the return of his people as they turn from their sin back to him mm. but they're unwilling and i love the first verse come let us return to the lord he has, he has torn us to pieces he has judged us and our judgment has been harsh not as harsh as we deserve but nevertheless very harsh but he is the one who will heal us he has injured us but he will bind up our wounds and both of those you see the depth of god's grace mm. You see his grace in, in disciplining those of us who are in him and judging our sin and helping us feel the sting and the consequence of sin. But you also feel his grace as he binds up the wounds that our sin have caused and uh, the wounds that are there because of his discipline and because of his judgment. And what a beautiful portrait of God. And we've, we've seen even in the last chapter, chapter 5, you know, that we see Israel turning to to Assyria or turning to, to their kings for help, but he's not able to cure them. He's not able to heal their sores. And yet we do see this. So let's return to the Lord because he's the one that can actually bind up our wounds. He's the only one that can actually heal us and give us what we need. We're turning to all these other things for, for that healing, for that hope, but it's only actually found in turning to the Lord and, and even returning to the Lord. And, and of course we pointed out that Assyria would not only fail to heal the wounds of Israel, they would actually inflict, the, inflict even greater wounds on mm -hmm. Israel uh, as they conquer them and as they 
uh, diminish the nation in every way. And so um, in just a few short years from the end of Hosea's prophecy, maybe even two or three years from the end of his prophecy or his time of ministering, you know, during the time of, of Jeroboam, uh, the nation will crumble, it will be defeated, it will be lost among the nations. And you just continue to see God's love for them um, in verse seven thirteen when he says, I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but well on their beds. They slash themselves appealing to their gods for grain and new wine, but they turn away from me. Um, you know, he wants so much to, you know, continue this redemption and res- restoration and this forgiveness, but yet they would have nothing to do with it. And yet, even still, they would turn again to their own gods. Yeah. And, and there's no doubt at the beginning of the story, uh, we hear that you know, is, you know whisper from the you know from the enemy. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have your best interests at heart. He's withholding from you. Uh, if you just reach out and grab the fruit for yourself, you will mm-hmm. be just like him. And, and so we speak falsely against God as as one who is our enemy rather than one who is you know deeply uh, our friend. Mm-hmm. And we have verse you know in chapter six, you know, verse six, we have a phrase that uh, mm-hmm. Jesus twice turns on the Pharisees. So do you need to go and learn the meaning of this? I desire mercy and not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God mm-hmm. and rather than burnt offerings. Uh, your rituals in and of themselves without a heart for God and without you know, real mercy mm-hmm. uh, or love for your brother and, and, and those around you, uh, falls, you know, falls into nothingness. And that's been part of what you know, the kind of, we talked about that covenant lawsuit that comes. I mean, some of the complaints that God has delivered against his people now is they've turned from him, they've turned to, to idols and various things. You also have, I mean, just false worship. You know, their their worship is right here, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You know, they go and they sacrifice to whoever they want, however they want, and, you know, the various places wherever they choose to worship. Um, but then you also have, you know, just kind of the blood, the stain of blood throughout the streets and, I mean, just injustice happening. And so God's people are as far from his heart as you know they could possibly be and 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 they just don't see it so i mean we're seeing all of these things you know coming about yeah and you see and you know in, in, in six verse four your love is like a morning mist your enthusiasm for me just quickly falls away mm-hmm. uh, it's like the early dew and it quickly disappears mm-hmm. and of course there's the idea we can live however we want to and then all we have to do is go into the temple of the lord and present these sacrifices and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, telling them quite clearly, uh, the sacrifice I desire is, is a sacrifice of a contrite and pure heart mm-hmm. that you bring before me. Mm-hmm. And, and your rituals in and of themselves are pointing to something greater, but they have, they have no power to atone and no power to save apart from the grace of God operating through those as people are humbled and, and mm-hmm. repentant. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that is the invitation of the gospel as well, that we humble ourselves see our sin repent and turn to god in order that i love the way that um, peter says it he, he could be drawing from the prophets here so that times of refreshing you know may begin repent and therefore and turn to god mm-hmm. the times of renewal may begin mm-hmm. and of course that's the invitation in the early part of the chapter with the warning if you do not repent judgment is coming and just what the grace that 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 invitation to return to repent stands today wherever we find ourselves wherever 
we feel far from the Lord or whatever sin we have in our life, we have the invitation to return to him. Um, and we're met with healing and a binding up of our wounds and we're met with his grace. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm deeply encouraged by that. And it's, it's shocking though that we can return to him, but yet he invites us to and he longs mm-hmm. for us to. Yeah. And of course that is the image, you know, in the early part, in the first three chapters of Hosea, Hosea is called to uh, once again love his wife and restore her and love her as I have I have loved Israel in spite mm-hmm. of her unfaithfulness and, and to buy her back mm-hmm. uh, and so you have that you know that, that picture there of God's mercies that uh, are beyond our imagination and we often take from granted you know, we, we're like you know they are in many instances we feel like we can you know kind of do our religious thing and that really gives you know counts counts for a lot when the only thing that really counts for a lot is is you know what paul would say in view of god's mercy giving the whole of yourself Mm -hmm. uh, as a living sacrifice to him Uh, so it's a rich passage even if it is a daunting in its its judgment matt you mind closing this with a word of prayer yeah pray Father, we thank you for your word. We do thank you that as we see um, your heart and we see also um, the sin of your people, Father, we confess our sin to you. Um, Father, asking that our arrogance and our sin wouldn't keep us from returning time and time again back to you, um, but instead we'd lean into um, to the reality that you are a God who um, is just and a, and a God who is loving and a God who is full of grace. And so, Father, we we ask that you would um, continue to um, to guide us, to shepherd us into the grace we have um, in Christ Jesus. And Father, would we find our um, our full identity in being yours? And and Father, would that shape um, would that shape our lives um, both today, this week, and the years to come? Um, would we continue to be your people, uh, Father, for your glory, our joy, and the good of this city? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.